ourselves that they were gone but they were just hibernating welcome back to watchmen minute the show that takes you through the hbo watchmen series one careless whisper at a time my name is travis bow from real comic heroes and i'm eric nash from almost famous minute welcome back how's it going yeah pretty good travis man it's uh i'm 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 basking in the afterglow of (laughs) of a really good week we had you know we had episode four that you know we obviously we talked about a week ago and then the next day or i guess when we posted the episode was disney plus day so that was you know we had mandalorian and then you know since we recorded we've had two episodes yeah of mandalorian (laughs) but but they're on the shorter side oh yeah yeah. thanks which is fine um, as long as oh, they're yeah. telling good stories, you know. Yeah. And then we've had uh, Star Wars Minute kind of surprised everybody with yeah. doing their Mandalorian kind of uh, yeah. companion podcast. I kind of had in the back of my head. I wonder if they would. If they would yeah. If they I, think, I think they ripped us off. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and then today, as of this recording, you know, Star Wars Minute again surprises people with uh, their – they've returned with uh, rogue one minute so mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's been a good uh it's been a good week for uh for uh nerdy content <laughs> so shout out to star wars minute the the one that started it all yeah. for us and and kind of led to us doing this show so if you're uh if you're not aware of them you should be but uh but that's a different show we are here to talk about Episode five of HBO's Watchmen called Little Fear of Lightning. And we uh it starts off with uh it's like this radio dial, you know, Watchmen's lit up looking okay, like Okay kids. What's that? Okay kids. There's you know, the radio <laughs> yeah. which you might be familiar with with uh you know uh the numbers uh digital numbers on a <laughs> dial on a, on a on a screen that is not uh yeah, used, um, used to be different. Yeah, cars especially, but even on on little little personal radios and what have you would have something similar. Yeah, I like this one. It uh, took me a minute to realize what it was, and then I I kind of tried to pay attention to what little clips of audio you could hear. Um, I didn't take anything huge yeah. away from it um the, the, the very last one yeah <laughs> yeah the, the last one was uh the the one minute to midnight right um uh, so that leads us into this uh um hoboken 1985 uh title card pops up and we see this group of uh young men getting off a bus and it looks like they're being led you know um by their i don't know would this be a pastor or some sort of uh, maybe a I don't think he's a priest. I don't. I'm not sure. Some sort of church figure. Yeah. Um, leading well, well, these. Well, well, the the, the flyer they're handing out. Let's just yeah. let's just say that that's yeah. the watchtower, which is mm-hmm. a um a um what oh, crap I wrote it here. <laughs> the um I swear I read it. 
I did notice that the Watchtower pamphlet or whatever it is had a, a panda on it. So that was just yeah visually, you know, familiar for a couple episodes ago, but Well it's I'm almost positive it's the seventh day of Venice. Okay. But I don't know why I didn't write that down. Mm. I thought I wrote that down. That's crazy. Okay, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Um so initially seeing this, it was kind of like, is this you know, is this a young Tim Blake Nelson? You know, is this young Wade Tillman? Um, oh and yeah, then, yeah. I mean, I, I think it it felt, <laughs> I mean, and and plus we kind of knew this was going into this was going to be a Looking Glass centric episode. At least it seemed that way in the previews. Um, and then see, well, well, really, until he said Wade, he said TikTok Wade. Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't. I okay. really didn't have that thinking. Okay. I was not in that mindset at all. Mm. But it's, when he said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, this is a young and very <laughs> innocent, you know. Yeah, uh, Christian teen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're tasked with passing out these flyers to, I guess, spread the spread the good word, sort of thing. And um, so they, you know, young Wade here, he kind of sheepishly observes people, and and you can tell he's not. He's very uncomfortable, and he has to psych himself up to, um, to even you know, approach somebody. And he's seeing all sorts of, you know, people making out and and people just indulging in you know one one girl's just eating like looks like chili cheese fries, and one couple are making out. But he chooses to approach, you know, what we know of uh, the uh, the knot tops, which probably the last group that I would want to approach. Well, yeah, it's it's either really ballsy or stupid. Yeah, one or the other, as yeah. mo- as most things are. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I did notice um, a couple little, I, I don't know, Easter eggs with with this when we see the knot tops. Um, there's on the wall behind one of them, you can see a pink triangle, which I know goes back to the book. It's uh, and now I forget what pink tri- triangle is in relation to like what that organization is or. I forget what it is, but I know it's it's throughout the book. I um, just can't recall exactly what it is now. Well, I mean, is is it not? I mean, because there is the one character in the book that that it's that that is a lesbian. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think it's the same. That's right. You know, it's coming from the Holocaust and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, that's I on know the it wall. From, <laughs> from the song "Pink Triangle" by Weezer, which okay relates to my other show. <laughs> Wrong show. Yeah. um the the i don't know lead not top i would say yeah his uh his shirt says katie's like the the name katie but pluralized Mm -hmm. and i think that's meant to be like kt but drawn out like as if it was a name so katie not tops kt you know katie's oh okay yeah but it was just the word, the name Katie's, mm-hmm. uh, repeated over and over again. So I don't, I, I think that's what it's intended to be. But that seemed kind of weird. To, I'm used to just seeing them in black or white T-shirts with you know the big um, Japanese symbols on it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do hear throughout this uh, segment once once Wade is kind of walking through this uh, it looks like a fairground to me mm-hmm. until the end of this sequence. Um, uh, careless whisper is being played. Well, well, there's another song actually is played prior. Oh, to was that. there? It's it's uh, things can only get better. 
by Howard Jones. Oh, okay. And it's it seemed vaguely familiar to me, and I I just I just I should I shazammed all the way through this whole oh, okay. episode. Like every song, every sure. single song, on the on the second watch that is. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, in the captions for that second watch, when I had them on, um, there was at least one time like it actually even said what the title of the song was seemingly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I right, but, but. Um. So he approaches this uh, this woman, young woman, and um. I want to say her name was Roxy. I think that's what how she's listed. And um, uh, you know, tries to give her this pamphlet. She drags him into like this funhouse mirror. You know, the mirror. What do you call it? Uh, yeah. Um. Oh. House of Mirrors, maybe something House like of Mirrors, that. Yeah, yeah. Um. She drags him in there and starts to, you know, kind of flirt with him and asking him him if he's a virgin. You know, and he he doesn't really know what to say about that. And she starts to undress him and there's something she caught it. Oh, she must ask him where he's from. And he tells her uh-huh. Tulsa, I think she yeah, responds yeah. and, and she, at a certain point she calls him Oklahoma, which I really like. I think that there's something sexy about that. When, when someone applies a, a nickname like that, or just calls like, like I'm thinking of uh Lois, Blaine calling Superman mm-hmm. Smallville. Like, there's just something I kind of like about that. But um, as it goes on, you know, she's undressing him and just takes his clothes and runs out. Yeah. And and actually, uh, my note there is that it was it was only when she started to undress him that's when I went back to my my initial thought was that she was going to be trouble. But then I went away from it for okay. a good bit of this segment until. She started undressing him. Like, ah, no, this is going bad. Yeah, there's a second there where it almost seems like, oh, this is this is nice because mm-hmm. I think last episode we had a mention of his ex, and so my yeah, my thought right. here was, oh, yes. he yes. he met this girl, you right. know, maybe she's, yeah, you know, the stereotypical like from the other side of the tracks kind of relationship, a little, maybe a little bit Romeo and Juliet kind of situation here. So I started to think like, oh, this is his ex. Yep. You know, when they first met, when they're both young and things and things, you know, end up not working out or something. So. Um, so, yeah, they kind of suckered me in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so so she runs out and he gets a look at himself in the mirror and starts to kind of berate himself and uh, calling himself a sinner and a dummy. And, you know, this wouldn't well, have happened if well, he she even or, or he. Uh, is it she or he? Uh, it's it's he that says mentions sinners prior to that when she's asking him why why he's here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, like or what? Why are they it. here? But, yeah. but nonetheless, it's like what went th- went through my mind in both watches. You know, in the second time I was taking mm-hmm. the notes too. Still, it, it it was still there. The the idea of well, you know, I think Tulsa's might be not gonna say just as bad, but still have plenty of sinners, especially racist ones. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. So it's just that line of thinking that they need to go so yeah. far away <laughs> to, to find bad people, supposedly. Yeah. No. But you, yeah, continue. Um, so then we get, um, I think it starts with maybe a little shaking or a sound of an explosion. And you can tell that outside, you know, something's going wrong. And then all this, uh, I think he starts to, um, it's like when you get a really bad headache, like he's, his face is, he's reacting to like contorting his face as it, you know, as in a, 
something's wrong with his with his head and then just every all the glass around him just starts shattering and there's a lot more shaking and it's, you can just tell it's like a like almost like an explosion just just went off outside mm-hmm. um you can i think maybe hear some screaming and that sort of thing and um and he ends up going outside and this uh, I, I, when I saw this, we, we get a little cl- kind of a clip of this yeah. from yeah. another angle that we'll see, you know, in a few seconds, like as it pulls away from this, you just see him as like this l- one lone figure standing a bunch of what looked to be dead bodies that they showed in, in the trailer. And I thought oh, he must be the only survivor. So it was a kind of a surprise when you, um, yeah. When he initially exits this uh, fun house and you do see a couple people kind of milling about um, in, a, in a couple different areas, there are other survivors, which was a surprise, you know, first run going through this and actually seeing other people alive. Um, he uh, he finds the the uh, Roxy, you know, she's like just outside the entrance. And, she's, and his clothes. And his clothes. Yeah. And, uh, I like that he, he takes his clothes first, like not even thinking to like, see why she's laying there with his clothes. Um, and then, yeah, I get to look at, at her and so do we, you know, she's kind of lying in a bit of a pool of blood and she's bleeding from her eyes and I think her mouth and, you know, just, uh, you know, didn't, it it didn't end well for, for young Roxy apparently. Yeah, she, she's yeah, she's the only one we see in that detail. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, of oh, this affects her. Yeah. So then he starts to just kind of scream, like you know what happened and that sort of thing. And um, I was kind of wondering if there was something, um, if there was something to to do with like him being inside of a building. When yeah, this or, or went on, the, and that's why he mirrors, was. I think. What's that? With the mirrors. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not oh, that that's... it's going to have the same yeah. effect of something that's more specifically designed mm-hmm. to really help that we find out about. Um, but it's it's just, it's just it's just enough to keep him alive, and maybe that's yeah. something similar happened for those couple other people that are wandering around. Huh. They just happen to be. Yeah, in yeah. Some, some almost similar way, but maybe not as quite as well. Sure, I mean they they could be worse off than he is. But mm-hmm. no, I, that's a the mirrors is a good call. I I didn't yeah. didn't consider that it might you know the whatever's in mirrors it might be the same as what we see later with mm-hmm. what protects him. But uh, yeah, that's a, I like that idea. And then another thing is, is that um, and 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 the captioning even indicated this that the music was playing in slow mo. Yeah, so, um, I thought it was um, effective here, kind of just like in Saving Private Ryan at the okay. beginning when they first get like you know bombarded when the when the mm-hmm. the front door of their, their landing vehicle you know and they just start getting hit and then grenades start going off and we. We see Tom Tom Hanks's character experience kind of the same thing where he can't really hear properly. Is you know there's a ringing and so some things kind of seem to be moving in slow motion. Even if mm-hmm. the, even if people aren't walking in slow motion, you know it's like there's just that cloudiness that I think works works effectively here just like that. 
Um, one thing I was, um, I, I at first interpreted this as like a county fair, you know, there are definitely, you know, carnival rides and, um, the food trucks and that sort of thing that I always associate with the, um, the more carnival type, um, they, the move locations and it's not a solid uh stationary thing it just it moves from you know, obviously county to county that sort of thing um so i was confused as to why there would be um a couple cars that we see like flipped over and one like on fire because i'm i'm used to you know a fair like this there's not a lot of vehicle traffic you know yeah. because you're in a it, it's just foot traffic only maybe a few little golf carts or something like that yeah. so I was just surprised to see vehicles like that here. Um, mm-hmm. And to the point where it must, it was possibly moving at a high enough speed to have then crashed and flipped over. So that was a, something yeah. I just noticed that felt weird. Um, and no, no, no spoilers or anything. No surprise. Like towards the end of the sequence, we'll pull back and realize yeah. that we're on like the Jersey, uh, the boardwalk, kind of the Jersey shore where well, yeah, this and I could, would I... be, yeah, and I couldn't have told you where Hoboken was, but I went ahead and looked it up. Okay, and yeah, found out. I mean, I mean, how it zooms out seems yeah. really pretty, probably pretty close to okay. where I think okay. we knew we were kind of aware from between the comic and the movie, either one or both. Yeah, roughly in in New York City and on on the island of Manhattan, really. Yeah, you know, uh, roughly, you know, kind of between a little bit, maybe between um, Midtown and and um, I think it's. Uh, I forget if it's downtown or uptown. I forgot. I can't remember what it said um, for where, you know, like the World Trade Center is. Oh, yeah. Almost like halfway between, you know, the, the midpoint of the island and okay. the southern. And that's that's about in line with Hoboken. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's, so it's a very short drop. I mean, like, like I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing, I'm doing directions. And yeah. I don't even really like look at what, what the whole, you know, what's going on away from Hoboken. I don't zoom out at that point, mm-hmm. but I do directions from New York city to Hoboken and it's like thir- 20, 30 minute drive. What? Okay. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. But then I zoom out and I, I see, Oh, okay. It really is that close. Huh. Cause I think, cause I think of New Jersey being as being a state that's much more southerly. Oh, sure. New York city, but it, and yeah. part of it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just wraps yeah. around it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, then so that is yeah. like you said when it kind of starts to pull back and and you get the a kind of a bigger scope. I think at one point they show the Ferris wheel and you can see just see the bodies kind of like just in the the carts and uh, pulls keeps pulling back and you see um, is this when does it start to play New York by Sinatra? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's, I don't know if it's quite this early. But, okay. But yeah. I did notice as they pulled back Sinatra. that you see um, a, a street sign that does say Sinatra. So that was just a, an initial like, oh, okay. Um, and then it continues to pull back. And like you said, we, we go across the, I guess, the East River, I believe, and kind of enter into New York. And then it keeps going. And then you just start seeing buildings and what looks to be something that shouldn't be there. And of course we know that this is the psychic event that happens on November 2nd of 1985. And we full on get to see the squid in all its glory. Um, 
And it's it's just my initial thought was just thank you, Damon Lindelof, for <laughs> for doing this. I mean, um, of course, I mean, uh, I've, I've throughout the day, I've seen tweets and whatnot about, you know, Zack Snyder saying that it, it wouldn't have worked on film and that sort of thing. And we certainly talked about the difference in the movie ending and, and the book and, you know, them not going the squid route. And, and I still stand by the, the movie ending working for that, for that, you know, version of, of the story. Yeah, right. Because yeah, when, when you're trying to do a, reasonable like say two and a half hour yeah yeah theatrical cut as well yeah you know uh, to to include all the other stuff that went into the squid happening yeah and, and that would have made a lot longer movie yeah and i think i think maybe why it works here in this show and just you know throwing a, a big squid in people's face yeah. is because they've been throwing a ton of stuff at people you know and it's just up to you if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you'll have to maybe do some research and ask ask around. And, you know, because episode one, you get the, the squid falls and stuff. And there's no exp explanation as to why there, it's raining squid. But, you know, you know, it's nice that they just they're just doing this kind of stuff that, you know, the average viewer probably is going to be very confused. But they might just have to do some digging and ask some questions and that sort of thing. And I like that they're doing that with this show. Just, just not being too concerned with the audience, not getting it, you know, cause I think they, yeah. and, and that's the average viewer that may have even watched the movie. Sure. <laughs> but hasn't read the comic. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, there's gotta be plenty of those people out there mm -hmm. that have seen the movie and haven't read the comic. Yeah. Um, and initially, I thought um, I thought that the placement of the squid was wrong. I thought because for some reason I had it in my mind that that the squid landed or teleported into Madison Square Garden, which we saw you know a couple seconds previously. It, it a large tentacle was kind of draped over the top of. Uh, Madison Square Garden, which we know that's where the Pale Horse concert is mm -hmm. or was taking place. Um, but for some reason, it just in my head, and when I like picture the book, I always think that that the main bulk of the squid, you know, the the eye and the beak and the the main like you know head of it, I always picture as being hanging out of Madison Square Garden because that's where all the bodies are. Um, but then I had I flipped through it, you know, before we started recording. And I was like, just to get that reminder that it appears at that, you know, the, whatever, whatever it's called, the Institute Institute of Transdimensional Studies or something like that. And that is where, you know, we do see the, the main body of the squid, I, I would assume here in the, in the show. And so just for some reason, for whatever reason, it just always, I, I think I always remember it as being, you know, mainly uh, teleporting into the into the garden but um so apologies to damon lindelof for thinking that they got it wrong <laughs> but uh um it does transition to this uh um come back to new york kind of campaign mm -hmm. that uh and this I, i'm pretty sure that then the sinatra new york song is oh, yeah, is in yeah, full swing at this yeah. point 
Um, and it starts with a, I think a couple outside of a Broadway theater. And it does, I, I noticed the name on the marquee of what play they were going to see was, uh, Oppenheimer. So it must be some like, you know, um, play, uh, about, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, of course, the, I guess, father of the, um, of the Manhattan Project. So, um, and then a couple in, um, uh, Central Park and saying how, you know, how romantic it is to, to go there with his, uh, I guess his wife or girlfriend because there's no one there. And then we see a cop and he's saying, oh, it's, it's so safe here, you know, and then last one we see is you know uh, michael imperioli like yeah the actor from i think primarily from sopranos christopher okay that was um, the characters i i assume um yeah him talking about you know how he how new york now how they like their calamari with uh some lemon and marinara mm-hmm. and then we find that this is a commercial for uh, some sort of comeback to New York campaign, which is just crazy. The the idea that New York would need this kind of PR, you know, they would need to convince people just to come back. Um, I think it's probably not something that I've ever thought about, you know, the, the after effects of, of what happened. Um, and at the, at the end of the story, you know, how that would affect, people in the city and not wanting to stay there and that sort of thing. But, um, then of course we get the, I think we might, we might see Wade at this point. Um, and then we also get the, the title of the episode. It's, uh, reflected. So it's backwards and we see, um, that's probably the one I, I'm not liking the most so far. Okay. I, yeah, I think I expected we'd see it from the back here from Wade's point of view and I thought we would go into the room and it would be, you know, right side mm-hmm. facing and huh. um, that sort of thing. But, yeah, um, we see a folder maybe on the table. It says Clarity Consumer Research. And you know, Wade, it seems, is is part of this uh, research group or uh, market research sort of thing. And uh we don't exactly know what his role is here, but he's definitely observing a group of people who had just watched the uh, this uh, commercial, um, and he they end up uh, questioning like what 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 do they think of the the commercial that they just watched and the I think the clients I think would be um, the people saying how. Everyone said uh, ten out of ten on on all the questionnaires and that sort of thing. And Wade has to, um, I guess, shoot shoot down their uh, their proud moment because he's telling them that no, uh, what red blooded Oklahoma Oklahoman man would uh, admit that they're afraid to to go back to New York and that sort of thing. Or uh, mm-hmm. so we find out that he is in some capacity a. You know, uh, not a hired consultant, but he is there. You know, it's, I guess, part of his job. Or we find out this may, might be his cover. Kind of his cover job is to be involved in uh, in observing these uh, uh, market research focus group sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, you you wonder you wonder about you know, I mean, is he actually good at it, and is that relating to what he does? 
you know, with the police that he's that he does the uh, the pod mm-hmm. you know, interrogations. Yeah, it's, it's something kind of similar, but you know, definitely much <laughs> much more uh, uh, easygoing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of environment. Well, I got a definite, you know, just the idea of like who watches the the Watchmen kind of vibe from this. Like he's watching and observing the people who are, you know, observing these commercials and this sort of thing. And and then yeah, I think it's definitely. I think meant to make us recall the uh, the events in the with the pod and everything and and I guess you know maybe he does somehow have a have, a, have an ability to to tell when people are telling the truth you know mm-hmm. um, so uh, we see him leaving he's goes he pulls into like a um, it appears to be one of the uh, what do you call them the uh, storage unit type places. He pulls his yeah. car in. He switches from like this uh, little compact car to this big like Ford Bronco type, you know, big truck. When he pulls in and and he's able to unlock his looking glass mask and he puts that on and then pulls out with the with the big truck and then they uh... and and I am calling this the mirror cave. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I even uh, the terminology I use for uh, for his mask is a uh, is a hidey hole. Okay. Oh little yeah, yeah. the little locker that he pulls it out yeah. of. Okay. Um, and then you know this 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 size of storage cave, you know, enough for a vehicle, and actually a much bigger vehicle was used in the movie um, The Accountant. Okay. With Ben Affleck. Sure. Very interestingly, I wasn't sure if he had altered one of the like if he had rented yeah. two side by side mm-hmm. and like knocked out a middle wall on his own but right. i guess it's conceivable that this is an option like two side by side that don't look i guess are one but um so yeah as he pulls out we start to get voiceover um of uh of Lori that uh talks about you know the the previous meth previous methods of you know using their uh i forget what she calls it their black ops kind of site or something like that and and using their pod and going out and rounding up the usual suspects and beating the shit out of them like she's basically just saying that that those methods have haven't worked and you know that all ends now and we're gonna do things my way kind of thing she uh even at this point says you know you're the uh, mirror guy's truth pod or something like that pod you know references that and um i do like that you know she ends it kind of with saying you know they pull up the the a photo of the original video that seven seventh cavalry sends them and she says you know we can't see who but we can see where and then leads them down the the path of you know like start searching uh churches um any any um like she, I think she jokes that there are only like four or five thousand, um, but uh, it seems maybe kind of obvious, you know. Like, yeah, you guys should have been searching out churches and and houses of worship, that sort of thing. So, um, since it does appear that that video came from a from being filmed in a church, so yeah, um, that's not going to go wrong. Yeah, no. <laughs> um. So then we cut over to you know into the 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 main office area of the police station here 
and we kind of hear a conversation between Red Scare and um, we don't know who right away. Mm. Um, he's asking the difference between Catholic and Baptist and holding up two yeah. two similar but different photos of of the I guess the main sanctuary of, of yeah. churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hear someone say that I forget exactly what. Yeah. Episcopalian. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is often uh, considered kind of Catholic light. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah it does awesome. kind of pull back and you, you do see that he is talking to, mm-hmm. to Panda. Um, I, I noted the pa- Panda on his desk has this, uh, one of those, not old, but you know, has a typewriter, and it, it's just you kind of have to remember, remember, like, oh yeah, they don't, they wouldn't have even, they wouldn't even have old computers. Like it's, he just has a typewriter there that might be one of those electric ones, but um, just thought that was worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, Red scares eating a sandwich, and you see uh, Looking Glass kind of gets close and asks if he's, uh, oh, that, okay. Uh, Red Scare sees Looking Glass and says, "Hey, you you used to be religious, you know what? What do you think?" Like, and then uh, Looking Glass responds by noticing the the lettuce in his sandwich and asking him about that, and then pointing out the you know, the, like where did you get the lettuce from, and asking if it was from over here. And Red Scare, like, you know, I think he says like, "Oh shit, is that the lettuce from the truck?" And then, you know, Looking Glass points out that yeah, the lettuce from the the night that Sutton was shot and our police chief. No, not that night. Uh, regardless, pointing out that, yeah, was, that the yeah, lettuce truck that, before. Yeah. Right, the lettuce right. truck that kind of yeah. got this whole mm-hmm. ball rolling. So, um, but, and, and, and sh- is the, the bag that like that, that the lettuce is in, yeah. it seems like it's in a bag. I mean, yeah. is that not like an evidence bag that they all should know? I mean, that's <laughs> right. there is seeming to be, Showing a lot of ignorance here. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially when he, when he does say, "Oh shit," you know. Yeah. It's like, I mean, but, if if he hadn't said that, then I would say he's all just doing this as a joke. Yeah. You know, just eating it because he doesn't want to. Go, you know, he doesn't consider it important. And, right. And he says, like, yeah, it was just gonna go bad. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Then uh, Lori calls Looking Glass into her office and does kind of like this thing that she's been doing with. Uh, especially with Angela, like this basically just an interrogation, you know, she's got his file and she's flipping through it and, um, noticing or asking him if he's from Tulsa and he's like, nah, close enough, like a border town near, uh, near Texas. I think he, I think he says it's a place called Hugo maybe. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, and then she, I think is, going on and, and says like, Oh shit, you're, you were, you were in, uh, in New York on 11 two. And he's like, eh, close, you know, again, correcting her and saying New Jersey. Um, and, uh, she asks, she starts questioning him about, you know, if he still has essentially, if he still has, uh, PTSD or this, uh, you know, trauma from the being in the psychic blast zone. And, um, it, it just kind of, occurred to me for the first time it's like oh yeah you weren't anywhere near this when it happened you were in uh well let me think they, they are on mars okay they arrive, there you go they arrive back you know yeah at, in york city with everything yeah. destroyed for some reason i was thinking that yeah. she would have already been in antarctica at this point but yeah you're right she would have been on mars 
um, before the uh, psychic event happened. So, uh, but regardless, yeah, yeah, was not like there, didn't experience what uh, what he would have, and and certainly not what the way people had it worse, you know, closer to ground zero. So, um, she uh, she points out that he had joined the police right after the White Knight. And I like his line about justice needed to be applied. And then she points out, like, and it, and it gave you the uh, an excuse to to run around with the mask and uh, points out that he is, uses a word that we have not heard yeah. yet before and says uh, the his mask being made of uh, reflectatine and it's like guaranteed psychic shielding or protection from uh, psychic blasts. So kind of a cool idea that that maybe there's another reason why he wears this particular material as his mask that we'll find out more about later um and she keeps calling him uh, mirror guy and you know of course he points out that you know my name is looking glass and i do like the uh kind of joking response she gives him like well you can use you know mirror guy if you want like kind of uh i'll give yeah. you that one for free sort of thing just her be just her being an asshole like her old man. Um, I, I I still I like that about her character. Yeah. Do Do you think there's a point where she will call him Looking Glass? I do. And, you know that'll that'll mean something. You know. It'll, yeah. It'll be a clue to him that. I think if she I'm does, your, I'm finally on your side or something. Or. I, I think if she does, it'll, it will be in the ne- the next time that they talk after the events mm-hmm. of this episode, mm-hmm. based on what he does at the end of this, mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. If she's going to call him, you know, or treat him with any respect, it'll be, yeah. it'll be like next episode. I think. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it, it, uh, got me thinking about, um, his cover of being this this uh, market research thing and um you know he wears the mirror thing and then his job is to sit behind a one-way mirror mm. and observe mm-hmm. people you know oh, yeah, so wow. it's kind of a brilliant thing with uh mm-hmm. with the the whole putting people in the pod and experiencing their um how they react when they see these images and he's still behind a one-way mirror, you know, even mm-hmm. when he's just wearing the mask. Um, so just kind of a brilliant idea to, to make that job his cover because it's probably something he's really, probably really good at. Um, uh, we're still in, in uh, her office and you can still see Judd's name is on the desk. I noticed. Yeah, I noticed that second time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I completely jumped over the fact that we did have uh, Sister Knight asking him about uh, the pills and, you know, if he's gotten anywhere on the, on that. Um, and he points... And it, it, yeah, it's ahead. definitely big on, you know, his ex and her mm-hmm. doing him a favor, but essentially he also... Or they also... Who turns it into essentially making it a, a, a big thing that he's doing her a favor? Yeah. Yeah, she, he says that... That's it, the terminology of leaning on. There you go, yeah. You know, is is, is big there to help convey that point, yeah. I think. This is where Lori, you know, plays the card of asking about the pills and then yeah. just point blank, then, you know, oh, I, I bug the cactus on your desk and <laughs> I'm, F, I'm, F, I'm FBI, we, we bug shit. Right. 
I like that. And and she does and she's pulling a Columbo, you know. You know you know the show Columbo. Right? I know of it, but oh. I don't know oh. any specifics, you know, other than he, the way he, the character the, the, is. Yeah, the main character, yeah. you know, like at least twice in every episode he goes to to the person he thinks it's the that that's a suspect in his mind at least. He'll say, "Oh, one more thing." Yeah. Oh, oh, when she was doing the one more yeah. thing. Okay. I didn't know what you were. When he, when he's about ready. Yeah, to definitely leave. know that. Um, we start to hear some Enchanted Evening playing. Um, I think this is Sinatra. Yeah. Again. Definitely is. So, um, we, and he, this is him. Uh, he's arriving home. He's going through his mail. Um, something I like to do when we did, you know, the, the Watchmen minute going through the, the movie, you know, he, we have an address here when he's flipping through the mail and his address is 2790 Douglas street, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, seven, four, one, zero, four. So add that to the, uh, watchman walking tour <laughs> might be a, a, a long trip from New York to right. Oklahoma, but it'll be worth it. Trust me. Um, and some of the letters are addressed to a Cynthia Tillman. So this is, you know, the first, I guess, hint that we, or first clue as to who his ex uh, possibly could be, uh, maybe an ex-wife. And then when he walks away, we see a framed portrait on the wall. Uh, it definitely looks like 80s uh, glamour shots you know, style photo, so... And then um, part of what his uh, mail was, he throws on the counter, and it's this uh, it says EDS Products and Supplies Catalog. Um, I forget if it indicates what EDS is on the on the actual spine of the catalog, but we'll see a lot more of that stuff uh, soon. His uh, he takes off his hat, which is lined with this uh, kind of looks like the same reflective material, this reflectatine that he you know wears for his mask and then i think that's when the gears start turning that you know is is he kind of a conspiracy guy we we've seen him certainly in the last episode like he spends some time down in a bunker and you know is this kind of like a tinfoil hat sort of thing <laughs> um so we that, oh yeah, he takes off the hat and then opens the safe, and the safe is also marked EDS, um, and even says extra dimensional security. Um, and this is where he, you know, takes his hat off and takes out the mask that he keeps in this safe. And so now we've seen he keeps a mask in a storage locker or you know, in the storage unit in his little hidey hole. He's got one there. He's got one, and possibly the same one, possibly different ones. Um, got this one here in his in this safe in his house. Um, and then when I so it, I, I see this the safe that says EDS on it, I'm just wondering like, is this company like scamming suckers? You know, is it <laughs> is it playing on people's paranoia and selling them stuff that they don't need? So there, there might be something to that. Uh, <laughs> And then, of course, you know, I think in the second episode, we see him at home. He was eating his TV dinner and, you know, wearing the mask. And we just, I think then we just talked about how is he kind of like Rorschach, where it's like, even if he's at home, he's going to wear the mask because that's, because that's who he really is. But here right. we're, we're starting to get the, 
the puzzle pieces are starting to fit together, it's like, oh, he's he's wearing it because he never goes without it because he's paranoid. Yeah. Um, whether it's in hat form or mask form, he's always got this this material mm-hmm. kind of shielding his head. So, and then in this, so then the second my second watch, I wondered if the in the hat, the mirror surface that's in there. Could he possibly, could it actually be more than just one layer and he could pull it down over oh, more? If like, he really yeah, maybe. Realize something bad was about to happen. Just you know, moments. Hmm. He could take that little extra second to um, protect better. Yeah. I would say no, only because we do see him going into a situation towards the end of the episode and he's got the hat on, but he doesn't. Yeah. you know end up putting the mask on so i like the i, I like that idea a lot but mm-hmm. i'm guessing no but, um of course we he's opening a can of beans again uh sorry nile uh former guest of the show on when we went through the movie uh we had nile mcgowan on from uh bat minute and he got stuck with the scene where rorschach eats some uh some beans inside Dan's apartment and poor, uh, poor Nile hates beans, I guess. And, uh, wasn't too thrilled about having to talk about beans. So here, here again, he, uh, has to see someone eating a can of beans. Um, and he's eating beans while watching, uh, Captain Metropolis yeah. taking it from, uh, hooded justice. And we, there was some talk about whether this was like a parody porn sort of thing or, you know, is this a part of the American hero story, which I'm leaning towards American hero story. And, and they're, this yeah. is just the episode where they're showing the um, suspected, you know, nature of uh, their relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we saw, him, you know, you know, with the warning of how graphic it could be. Yeah, so. yeah. Why not yeah. this too? Why not just violence? Sure. Um, something, a, a detail that I missed or I guess uh, misconstrued as something else. You know, I thought they were in um, the facility that is shown in Before Watchmen, which is like their their clubhouse or hideout is like an old um, water treatment plant or something like that. Um, something to that effect. But but it's some, something that was left to Captain Metropolis and he gave it to the group that sort of thing. Um, because I thought it was like a big uh, gear wheel kind of behind them. There, there's these shapes in the room with them that I couldn't really get a clear idea of what they were. Some of it was reflective, and but it looked like a big, huge uh, uh, like gear wheel to me. Mm-hmm. Um but come to find out just in the PDPedia stuff and um, I think images from the director on Instagram that they're, they're kind of shown in this reflective wheel thing. And that's meant to be in the, th- this is all taking place in the uh, Minutemen, you know, in their headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the solar weapon of Moloch's. Which is um, to go back to the original book when comedian uh, sexually assaults Sally 
there's a panel where you see their images is reflected and they're in the same room. It's like their trophy room. And it's, you know, one of their trophies is Moloch's super weapon. It's this uh, uh, solar weapon. And so part of the image is them reflected. And that's what they're doing here, kind of using that same imagery. So it didn't read that way to me just watching it the first time. So until I uh, read that as an Easter egg online, um, I wouldn't have known that detail. But kind of like that idea. But um, so, yeah, he's watching that show. Um, they're talking about uh, uh, wanting to see his face. Uh, uh, Captain Metropolis is, is wanting to see Hood of Justice's face. And um, that kind of resonates, I think, with Looking Glass, you know, this idea of, of showing your face and everything, uh, especially after his conversation with Lori and, and her basically just telling him to re- remove his mask when she was talking to him. And... Uh, <clears throat> And then, of course, the alarm starts going off, and and he has to rush out of the uh, out of his house here and through the backyard. And at this point, he's taken off the mask and I think like shoves it in his pocket and puts his hat back on um, just to leave the house. So he goes to his bunker and hits this button to turn it off, and you see <clears throat> um, like a plaque on the wall. It says it's from the uh, extra extraterrestrial squid science, um, like, and then, or that, that's the what the I don't know degree is from, and it says it's from the extraterrestrial squid society from June of uh, two thousand. That's about all I could make out. Um, I'm sure you could screenshot it and and zoom in a little bit more and probably get the, but it's just a typical like you know. We bestow upon you the, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but that's that's one of the things on his wall next to this uh, EDS clock and drill log and a New, uh, New York Times clipping says millions feared dead. So I we assume that was from the November 2nd, you know, the, the big psychic event. <clears throat> um, so he turns off this drill, uh, yeah, this drill uh warning bell thing and i thought it was going to be another you know squid fall yeah um but then the alarm still goes off so he has to run back into the house and just destroy the shit out of this you know uh box that has the alarm thing in it inside of his closet this is the point where you know i started to wonder if he was part of some research like if if this company is you know selling and and providing all this security equipment and all that stuff i thought you know seeing someone in a bunker turning off an alarm reminded me a lot of did you ever watch lost uh no okay not not enough of it okay there's a character in it uh his name's desmond and he was tasked with living inside this you know bunker and it was a big bunker like he had you know several rooms to go in and out of and but he could never go to the surface and um he was tasked every 108 minutes with typing in a a a alarm code to turn off or to reset this timer so like literally for like i don't know 10 years or more maybe every 108 minutes he had to punch in a code to turn off this alarm or this uh timer 
um, to prevent the the world from exploding. Like, and that's all he knew. Like, he was too scared to not do it. You know, off, on the off chance that that it might be true. And so seeing Wade like run down here and hit this button, you know, just made me wonder like it is he doing something that to him it's it's you know oh i'm 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 protecting people by being vigilant about this and you know is it just a hoax i mean and going back to like we've seen other characters in this series so far already question the reality of this extra dimensional mm-hmm. um whatever they however they phrase it you know the these events that keep occurring with the squids and stuff and so I just I just couldn't help but wonder, is he, you know, someone who is part of market research? Is he being experimented on, sort of thing? So, mm-hmm. especially paired with all the, you know, the reflectatine and the, you know, here in a minute he's gonna call this company and and demand that they send him a new alarm. Um, and he the guy on the phone even says like, oh, you know, you're a valued cu- customer. You know, we. We value uh, the money you spend, you know, on our stuff. And he yeah. says, "Yeah, go ahead and throw in another roll of of the reflectatine." Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that so that would indicate that he he himself, you know, certainly I would say must must be fashioning the uh, the hoods as well as into the caps as well, or into the one cap. Yeah, yeah. But I I guess there's maybe some you know at, at some point it does get old and wears wears away in some way or gets oh the the mat the material itself yeah. yeah it could be could it could rub just like any mm-hmm. fabric it could get worn yeah and maybe it's it's less effective if it starts to get a little threadbare and and mm-hmm. there are tiny little gaps in the reflective surface maybe yeah um all this kind of leads to to this sequence that we see um wade is just in this bunker and you know, you see a pair of bunk beds that are empty, and we assume are always empty. And it made me think of you know, we know that he has an ex, and I think behavior like this could I could easily understand could lead to you know your your spouse leaving because they just can't deal with your paranoia anymore and that sort of thing. And that that type of behavior I I could see easily driving people away and I certainly think that's part of why he mm-hmm. takes a look at the at the bunk beds as he lays down on the couch where I don't get the sense that he only yeah. sleeps here I think that maybe just sometimes he probably just feels you know mm-hmm. when he's feeling lonely like this or um that he sleeps down here with his you know his, in his mask so well um now for for his ex and we know we know Cynthia at least yeah. at this point you know um that uh you know he he must have handed the pills over you know in person you would think sure so she would be kind of on his mind you know having just talked with about her with Angela as well um but then so then so then there's this whole thing okay she, they're they're on good enough terms and i think i i kind of wonder about this bunk bed situation Mm-hmm. You know why not a single normal, uh, uh, you know, queen bed, yeah. queen size bed, or what have you, or more, whatever. Um, and 
you know, I, I, I would have to think that the, there's the possibility, the reasoning for having this bunk bed is, you know, well, you know, he, he doesn't want to, he wants to allow her to possibly stay here if, if she's mm. in need. Yeah. You know, and, but not feel like, you know, he's just trying to make the moves on her. Sure. Sure. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, we have a big situation here. Yeah. You know, I, I get the top. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I thought like bunk beds initially I thought, oh, maybe they have kids or mm-hmm. we're planning to have kids because mm-hmm. uh, I see bunk beds and I think kids beds, you know, and maybe there's another section that we don't see mm-hmm. with a at least a full size bed for, you know, for yeah. for he and, and Cynthia, Cynthia, maybe the couch that he's on pulls out to a, Fold out, yeah. you know, possible. But I, I think I. I think I take it now as it's a bunker space is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. at a premium. So even, sure. you know, two grown adults will just have to deal with having bunk beds instead of, you know, sharing a bed, I guess. But, um, but, uh, then we cut like the next, I the guess. The one last thing though. Oh yeah, um, please. For the, for the alarm and, and the drills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the drills since if he's running the drills and essentially it's just for him. Yeah. So does he kind of just have them, are they kind of a random thing? And that's kind of what's happened here. I mean, it's, you know, he's just always, you know, he, he treats, he treats the random drills as possibly being real, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have that sense, you know, to, to, just to make sure he's on his game. And, yeah. Yeah. There must be yeah. some sort of setting, like so, you can punch yeah. in, like, I want you to go at random intervals, you know, I forget what he says, how many so, times, a, uh, a week, but um, well, 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 the guy on the phone says I think you know the normal <laughs> recommended is like once every six weeks. Yeah. So if he's doing it, say, on a roughly random, random, you know, once every one to two weeks, he says he's conducted over five hundred drills. Yeah, that's yeah, and so that's so that'd be fifty or ten years, fifty fifty weeks a year, yeah, once a week. Hmm. So, um, yeah, just it's it's a good scene to really make you feel for Wade. Uh-huh. Um, but then we cut to pro- presumably the next day, the next morning, um he it's this uh, uh forever pet company uh that we're in mm-hmm. We're in like a lobby we're seeing this uh big video display of of a gene, you know, cell being split and then you see these two, you know, just massive great danes that look identical. Um, and they go through this, uh, you know, this, I don't know, store essentially with, uh, several other pets. And it seems like the people that work there are, appear to all be twins, um, several sets of twins that we see. And, um, you know, Wade is here and he goes up to the counter and asks the, the two, uh, two twins or, or pair of twins, uh, to see Cynthia Tillman, and then he corrects himself and says Bennett. So either she's remarried or maybe reverted back to her mm-hmm. her uh, original name. We're not sure. And uh, and then it cuts to like this behind the scenes kind of uh, uh, lab. And as soon as I saw three dogs in this room. I knew one of them was not oh. not long for this world because it seems to be every 
animal we've seen has been in a pair. You know, even the people have, have, like I said, the twins and twins or clones have all been paired up. So when I saw three dogs that all looked pretty much the same, I thought, oh, oh, crap. Um, and she asks, you know, Wade comes in and she asks him, you know, which, which one of these, um, I forget how she words it exactly, like, which one is, is, isn't like the others. And so he points out the one that is closest to her and says that it's a little smaller. And she just chucks it into an incinerator and, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, my heart sank. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's like, you could tell that's what what was going to happen, and well, and and she even offers it to Wade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but probably knowing that he's not gonna, yeah. and and she seems to have no problem, you know, just putting yeah. this dog in inside a little metal box and and hitting the incinerate button. Um, man, it's just so cold, and you know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, apparently this place is providing. Uh, clones of of your beloved pets and so um let's see uh, it reminded me that we we've, we've seen adrian burn a clone or at least not rescue a clone from dying in a fire so just kind of uh, reminded me of that um she this is this is who of course you know he he brought the pills to um this is his his ex at the lab um she tells him that it's nostalgia or nostalgia pills. And um, I think they talk about um, the pills are like, they put, they put memories into, into pill form. Mm-hmm. So going back to, I think episode two, when Will says that, that she, uh, Angela asked what, what the pills are. And he says that they help, help him remember. So he wasn't lying. <laughs> no, no. You know, at least, you know, based on what we know so far, but um, they kind of have this uh, very exposition heavy discussion of like their relationship. It's kind of one of those movie tropes of like, they, they spend the entire time we see them. They, they explain their backstory as if Mm -hmm. like, why would they be going into this like conversation of their history? It's like, do they do this every time they interact? You know, but it's it's obviously it's for us and and talking she's discussing like they had a seven year relationship and you know of course he calls it like bad luck uh, kind of going back to the the broken mirror kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, uh, visual at the beginning of the episode and you know she even says you know I'm not I, I was never gonna steal your clothes and leave you you know naked or something like that so um. Anything else on on Cynthia and and uh, Wade? There, there was the the part where that like she talks about how he seems anxious. Okay. Oh yeah. And yeah. I think and he says something about Squidfall, but then she says no about your chief getting murdered. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think she even asks him if uh, if what does she say? Like I see you're wearing the hat again. I think. Yeah. So she knows what what's going on with the hat. Um. So yeah, and this is. I think leading us, you know, a little bit more information as to probably why they split up is just not wanting to deal with his uh, his paranoia and, and I guess his post-traumatic, you know, stress that he has. I'm sure that isn't easy to, um, to be with someone that has, you know, emotional 
um, difficulties, that sort of thing. So um, we next see uh, Wade arrives at uh, what appears to be a church, and then you know he goes inside and and starts uh, spreading out uh, support group like meeting materials. It's this uh, pamphlet that says, uh, "I think your anxiety and you are uh, extra dimensional anxiety and you." Um, and this is uh, yeah this uh, support group, and we hear a voiceover of one of the guys in in the group talking about how his mom was like in uh, in the Bronx maybe or in Brooklyn. I think it says Brooklyn. Okay. Brooklyn. Um, like, and he says like she got the full on uh, psychic wave or something like something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it hit her. You know, she was closer to it than you know than we know Wade was. Um, and he wasn't even alive at the time and, and goes on to talk about this uh, idea that, that trauma can be passed on through uh, DNA. And so, you know, while he wasn't born yet, but he still has this almost has this uh, uh, trait that's been passed on, you know, this uh, paranoia and, and uh, sort of thing that, that he uh-huh. got from his mother, I guess. Um, and they're they're using you know, and. He says eleven two, you know, November second, yeah. and even Lori said eleven two earlier. And th- this is, I think, obviously meant to be like how we say nine eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems weird because it doesn't roll off the tongue as quite like nine eleven does, I think. But you know, I think it it's obvious what that's what it is. I mean, you would you would refer to it as eleven two, I guess. But um, let's see, we have. Uh, I'm trying to think where. So, so this lady comes in. Yeah, yeah. And at first, in the first watch, <laughs> I sure as heck thought it was his ex-wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, I you could know, see that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's only when she gets closer. I'm like, okay, yeah. I really don't think that's mm-hmm. the same lady. Even though he seems to be looking at her sure. quite a bit, you know. So it's like, so if that really isn't his wife, then he's just connecting with her. Yeah. All of a sudden, she really is a new person and. Something's mm-hmm. gonna happen with her. Um, yeah, the uh, I just just remembered the guy that uh, is speaking, talking about his mother. She or he says, you know, he doesn't want to be one of those, uh, yeah, you know, right. wackos with the. Uh, I think he even says uh, tinfoil, like yeah. running around wearing tinfoil. And then it, it we see visually it cuts back to when we saw Wade's hat as he took it off when he got home, and I think. I don't think we need a shot like that. I don't think we need a reminder of like, oh yeah, that hat that we showed you earlier. Like, I, I think the audience would have gotten it, you know? And I think in this episode, um, there are a few moments like that where they cut back to a previous mm-hmm. kind of shot, almost like a flashback. Um, just real quick. Yeah. I was, you know, I just, yeah, I was pretty sure there was at least another one. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I like that. Um, but oh, what I do like is, um, when this lady comes into the meeting, um, Wade kind of turns and, and we kind of get the sense that Wade is, is leading this uh, group. Yeah. He asks, asks her if she's a friend of Nemo's. Well, which... <laughs> so that relates to where the title's coming from. Okay. Which is, I wasn't yeah. sure if you like, 
initially I, I understood that as being, you know, Captain Nemo from right. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Because um, because, because at, a squid is heavily involved with that story. Right, yeah. It, so. His enemy, uh, yeah, not um, at a certain point in the book, I think the, the Nautilus, or Nautilus, Nautilus is the uh, ship, yeah, isn't pretty it? pretty sure. Yep. Okay. But they go up against a giant squid, so yeah. Um, I did not know that that the title of the episode yeah, was yeah. connected right. to Twenty Thousand Leagues. So until until um, some, somewhere yeah, between I did. the first and second watch for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I looked it up just before just before we started talking, but I guess there's a there's a line in Jules Verne's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea that says, uh, "If there were no thunder, men would have little fear of lightning." Um, and this might. Um, be connected to the idea that this whole squid fall thing, you know, if there were no mm. squids, we wouldn't have to fear uh, this, uh, you know, extra dimensional, uh, this threat, I think, you know, so we need the, we need the, the, the ba- little tiny squids that rain down. I think they're like thunder. I don't know. I don't know if that works or not, but. Um, but I dig it as a title, and I, I really like that line uh, from the book. So um, the next thing we have is is Wade. Like he, you know, starts talking about how the squid's arrival prevented annihilation, even though uh, three million lives lost. Like he's he just has this like reassuring way about him when he's talking to all these people and and tim blake nelson just knocks it out of the park with this you know with this scene um i was was really impressed by him and and um and the kind of this whole time he's he's exchanging glances with uh this lady that came in and i I knew i recognized her right away I, i knew i had seen her in some shows um i definitely had seen her in sons of anarchy and then uh, Deadwood, she played Trixie, the one of the uh, prostitutes in uh, in Swearingen's bar. Um, uh, so she's playing. This is that's Paula Malcolmson, and um, I know her later on. I don't even know if we find out her name later on, but it is Renee here. But uh, so the the group therapy, you know, this this session is is ending, and they go outside and. Um, she, uh, he invites her to, to like their Tuesday meetings as well. And she, she points out that she doesn't believe him, um, that, uh, that there's light or his line in, inside the, the group, um, group session was something about being in a tunnel and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So she's kind of calling him out on that saying that, uh, that she doesn't believe that he believes that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So, um, Anything on these two before they um, well, head to and the? And then there's there's a part where she's not going to come back next sure. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you and I would almost infer from that that she doesn't plan on coming back ever. So this is his one chance, and so she then is inviting him to follow her. Yeah. Somewhere. And it was kind of had that feel of like I want to show you something, but they just end yeah. up going to a bar mm-hmm. and uh, just continuing their conversation and. Uh, she, they must be talking about his job of market research because she's yeah. talking about this cereal that that we saw earlier that some kids were were 
the Smileyos. Yeah, Smileyos. Um, and a, song, and a, a new song is playing here, uh, Turtles okay. All the Way Down by hmm. Sturgill Simpson. Okay. not I, I, I know his name, but I, don't, I certainly okay. didn't know. I didn't, uh, must not have really title. noticed it. I think, was this kind of a country song? Oh, yeah. Because they were in kind of a kind of a, yeah a country bar, um, um, she's kind of testing out his, uh, his the, I guess his innate truth detector yeah. sort of ability, um, which is really I think a really sweet scene. I actually really like this. Mm-hmm. She she tells him that she's a waitress and he's just very matter of factly like, no, you're not. And then she says. Um, uh, uh, foreclosures foreclosure yeah okay and it says nope afraid not and then lastly she you know says that she's a radiologist and he's like yes uh you in, indeed you are something like that I, he uses the word indeed for sure um so i just really like that um and it occurred to me that you know she's a she's a radiologist which given all the cancer stuff at the end of the or really throughout the the watchman book mm-hmm. you know i imagine being involved in either cancer research or like this sort of uh, radiologist profession like that's probably a pretty popular field of, of work to be in um so i imagine you know we, we know stuff about the the technology being banned because everyone's afraid that it'll give people cancer so huh. i imagine that's a if not more, you know, more popular to, of a profession to be in. But um, he, they they kind of have this conversation about what her squid story is. And I think that's kind of how she puts it. Like, mm-hmm. is that all you want from me? Um, but she she ends up telling him that if, if she tells him, he'll just be upset. And he promises that he won't. So she goes on to tell him that... Um, I guess her story is uh, it's about a pale horse, you know, and then she goes on to explain, you know, oh, the, you know, the movie by Steven Spielberg and, and talks about how it came out in 1992 and it won all kinds of awards and, and, you know, they, I guess what, what they're doing is, is basically telling us that instead of making Schindler's list, uh, Spielberg made this movie called pale horse. Mm-hmm. He even well, shot it in black and white, and right. it features this little girl in a red coat, you know. So, it, it, and the thing is, I think is they're both you know awful tragedies, atrocities, yeah, right? You know, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I think someone in our in our group said, uh, "I wonder if he went on to still do Warhorse." Oh, I I must have missed that. I never saw Warhorse. No, me either. I've heard good um, and bad. What's that? I've heard good and bad. Oh, okay. Um, she tells him that that she she basically says that she's obsessed with this movie. So is she saying that she had no personal experience with? Yeah, really. The event. I mean, that, that, she's that just seemed to be what she's indicating. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I guess if if but if she still the, has yeah some kind of you know I mean. I mean, I I think they're you know again doing a little comparison to nine eleven. Um, yeah. You know, I think there are people here, at, you know, say in the Midwest, roughly where we are, you know, and so forth. You know, I think there's people that are that are, you know, still pretty broken up about it. And, yeah. And uh, this is you know like a 
crazy magnitude worse. Yeah. Um, that idea of like, if you were really, you weren't involved, like using Schindler's list as, as you know, if, if it was still the movie that Spielberg made, mm-hmm. it'd be like going to a, um, I don't know, a Holocaust survivors group. If you had no personal experience with it, but you'd, you'd seen Schindler's list like that. I could see why she would say, no, you'll just be mad. You know, I, I don't know if that would, if anyone would do that. So, um, I guess that's kind of weird, but we'll find out later that this is going to be the least of his worries with her. Um, they, uh, they talk about, you know, having to, to call a friend and, or call friends to come pick them up because they're both drunk. And so we find her outside smoking and, you know, she offers it to him and he says, you know, no, I don't, I don't partake. And, and we find out that tobacco is outlawed, mm-hmm. uh, which we might have might have gotten from a PDPedia file. I can't remember, but um, kind of interesting. So, um, um, right before that, uh, there is the you know you, you talk about her going to call a friend, but then as, after she's left, you know, oh yeah, we can hear him say, but we have to assume she can't hear him. Yeah, him say I, him saying I have no friends. Yeah, to call. Yeah, kind of sad. Um, they do end up kissing, you know, uh, right before she leaves, right, right before her friend pulls up. She gives him a kiss, and then she leaves, gets in the truck, and, yeah, it's as soon as you, you see a truck pull up, I, I, it sounds like we were probably in the same boat of, like, okay, if there's a tarp in the back, we've seen a truck like this before carrying lettuce, and... And lo and behold, the truck starts to drive away and some lettuce falls out the back. So it's it's definitely one of the, you know, oh shit moments, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this starts, you know, you just start wondering, like, is this all a trap? Were you, you know, were you trying to come to this meeting to, to specifically find him? Is it all just a coincidence? So um, he... Uh, of course, he sees the lettuce and and picks it up and calls it in and says that um, I think the he says like I'll call you back, basically saying that he's he asks if the truck that that was carrying the yeah. lettuce had ever been recovered, and so he says uh, the radio says why, and he says oh, I'll call you back, something like that, and then he he's in pursuit, and then he finds the the truck at an abandoned department store. Well, and he even sees them going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- He's got his... and, and even while they're in there, you can make out they're definitely pulling something over their heads. Oh, yeah, yeah, when they for get sure. Out and sure enough, they're 7K. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, you know, my notes are, are – most of my notes here are going to be, you know, first time through. So I'm not – I don't know what's coming, you know. Um, and I'm wondering why, you know, he's called it in, but he doesn't seem to be waiting for backup. And, you know, he, he goes to investigate the truck and I'm just, I'm certain at any point, you know, he's going to get, you know, a gun upside the head and knocked out and dragged into this place, or he's just going to get caught or, you know, worst case scenario, they're going to find him and kill him, you know, cause at this point I don't know how how long 
looking glasses is going to be in the series, you know? Yeah. So I'm just this whole, this whole time, uh, it was very tense, uh, very effectively tense for me, just like not knowing what's, what's going to happen, obviously. Um, so I really enjoyed just the, this, uh, this scene and like why he's risking, you know, he's, he's rooting, rooting around through the truck. He finds a gun, um, and well, whole... and then in the in the in the bed, you know, he's, oh yeah, yeah, he looks sees a, you know, he certainly sees more of the, more of the lettuce, but then there's also mm-hmm. this box. Yeah, is that with the battery? That those batteries that there's? I don't. It could be. Um, it's definitely on this box that he pulls out. It's got the true logo on it. Okay, so that's what stood out to me. I didn't think about batteries, but that. Well, I mean, are, are, good, was uh... that whole battery thing? Was that? done and solved kind of with the exploding vest hard to say i, I don't or know is there something else yeah Still. i think because they were specifically going for batteries that seem to be from older technology mm-hmm. i think the batteries are going to have a bigger role later possibly but mm-hmm. yeah i don't know um but for some reason this truck has lettuce and true uh uh, products in it. I don't know if 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 we call this technology or if it's just a case. You know, I, who knows what's in the in that box? But um, I do also like during this scene when he's he's um, investigating in the truck. You hear this uh, nice ticking sound, nice sound effect of ticking. Hmm. Um, and uh, again, I'm I'm just wondering like why are you risking this? Why aren't you waiting for backup? And he goes in. He he proceeds and he goes inside the building and starts sneaking around and uh you know one of the first things you see when you go inside is this big red symbol uh kind of spray painted on one of the walls and i recognized it as being um it was the same symbol on the letter that was a part of pdpedia maybe episode two or three it was the letter that the previous Senator Keene had sent to Judd Crawford's father, maybe. And it, it was the one where at the end of it, it basically signs it, you know. Yeah, um, the AK. The that's it. Yeah, yeah. It had this symbol. And I guess the symbol is a part of the KKK. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it's this symbol spray painted in, in red, mostly on this uh, inside this um building and um so he keeps he continues on uh to kind of investigate and then you start to see what looks like uh uh the church that we know from the seventh cavalry cavalry mm-hmm. video or well, from and, outside of it yeah it's you see you know we see what looks walls. like a set yeah yeah you know yeah with lighting outside so yeah. the windows yeah right um yeah. So, and then you eventually see the cameras after he gets mm-hmm. in there at the back. Yeah, and here again, when he's uh, fully inside this, you know, quote unquote church, it does flash back again to like mm. the the video footage that we saw of the church. So again, I think this director just deciding, or maybe it's an editor thing. Someone is deciding, mm. like, we'll we'll splice in little previous bits of of footage just to remind the audience, I guess, but. I just don't. Again, I don't think it's necessary here. Um, that's just maybe just just me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> brilliant idea, though. What's that? And then an oh shit moment for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, 
the which little little flash of blue light and the noise <laughs> and the, the ball bouncing. Definitely, yeah, yeah. That was Down a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Because not only is he getting like you know, oh shit, here's the the church that we've just started looking for. We're never gonna find because it's in a mall or inside this big department store. Um, and yeah, then you get this glow and and some noise and you can just just tell like a second after a portal must have appeared on the ceiling, you know, it, it like, how is this basketball appearing out of nowhere and, and dropping to the floor? So, so that definitely, uh, freaks him out a little bit. And at this point I'm wondering like, okay, teleportation of objects is now in play here. And I'm wondering like, how are these seven K guys like figuring out all this technology and, um, Something I, I think I talked about in our Facebook, in one of our Facebook uh, discussion groups, and wondering if the overall plan for the 7K was to build some kind of device and go to Mars. Um, mm. And that was because there was a PDPedia article about, you know, <clears throat> it was from the New Frontiersmen, and it was like, you know, mm-hmm. all, all conservatives need to leave planet Earth you know, leave it to the liberals and we'll just find a new planet and we'll go to the go to Mars because that's where Dr. Manhattan is. And so that got me to thinking of like maybe that's what part of the watch technology is for. Um, all those watch batteries and th- things like that. So and here with this teleportation device, like I don't know if they're trying to like lock it in and figure out how to because it seems to be kind of random where yeah. these basketballs are showing up. Right. So I wonder if they're working on like how to focus it and determine where to make things dis- uh, to arrive. So it could be well, well, and it's because okay, so uh, Wade ducks down behind a pew, and this guy comes in and you know indicates yeah. some like something like forty degrees in yeah. a certain direction or something with with south or something. Um, but but then Wade, you know, he goes away and he kind of follows which way he's go- that guy's going and he turns this corner. And- yeah. You see the actual device. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're testing this. It's like a almost like a Stargate, but not, not quite yeah. as big. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a little bit bigger than a door, but just kind of this idea of like has like this blue shimmery quality to it, and they're throwing basketballs into it, and they're mm-hmm. like they kind of get suspended there in, in in animation, and then they slowly like phase out. Um, and, yeah, again <laughs> – with no backup, he he approaches them and tells yeah. them all to freeze. And um, you know, this is where we have uh, Renee. You know, she says Wade. You know, and and then indicates to everyone else. She, she says he's here, and that's instantly when you know, okay, this is a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, one concern I had was that the gun that he has might be blank. You know, it might have blanks in it. And I and I didn't think about that at all. Okay. Um, so they, they're talking about, you know, he's, he's asking what this is, you know, cause he seems to be more concerned about the teleportation device than yeah. I've just, you know, <laughs> stumbled upon the, the layer of the people that killed, you know, Judd and, and, and he, it seems he's less concerned about the seven K aspect of this teleportation sort of, uh, problem in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, it sounds like, you know, 
teleportation is a known thing, at least among police, and therefore... <laughs> yeah, and, and And he's indicating that, you know, this is an illegal thing, though, too. Oh, sure, sure. You know. Yeah. Um, so he, they, they're kind of going back and forth and, and she's basically just flat out saying, you know, I want, I want to show you what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. If you'd stop yelling, you know, and asking what, what the hell is going on. Um, she even tells, he, he tells one of the, tells them to shut, shut it all down. So she tells him, yeah, go ahead to, to one of her guys. And then he shuts off the machine and then, then, you know, more guys kind of come out of nowhere and and he tries to shoot one of them and of course that's when he finds out that they're blanks and she just tells him flat out that you know they knew he was following they even you know, rigged the uh lettuce to fall out of the truck so i like that they're just flat out telling you you know yes this is a trap <laughs> mm -hmm. and we planned it from the from the bar we, mm -hmm. we planned it you and know. he doesn't have backup coming oh yeah yeah they, they boosted your your signal yeah we boosted your signal. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Like he, he never had a chance here. And so it, it, it makes sense why he has no backup and, and all that. I, I do like that, that he still shouldn't have proceeded without backup, but he never yeah. would have received backup. So, no. you know, um, so they drag him off to, to a different room, um, put him in a chair and then, um, guy in a mask comes to talk. And I guess she, she talks to him for a second and does and say yeah. and says that she actually is a radiologist and I don't, at this point I don't know if it matters. Yeah. But uh, and now now the thing I noted here is that they had, they didn't like tie, like I, I expected them to but they didn't tie him down. No. Yeah. Chair. I wondered so that he, too he when seeing him in the chair. More, but you know what what yeah you know, what what reason? <laughs> yeah. Does he have for not? Getting up and trying to leave again more. Yeah, probably just the 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 hint of them giving him information because mm. she's she's told him that she wants to tell him what's going on. Yeah, right. Uh, so part of that probably he also just knows that there are a lot more of them mm -hmm. than you know than him. So at this point, you know, dun dun dun, we we you know pretty quickly i think figure out that uh, one of the guys in the masks that comes to talk to him is senator joe keen you know um even you know even wade says you know are, are you even trying to disguise your voice senator um, well and that's right after though as well that's right after he the senator with his mask on you know says i know who you are looking class. yeah 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 so big reveal that you know uh, Keen is at least involved with these people, and then he goes on to kind of gives gives a lot of information and says that he's been leading the seven k uh, since the White Knight, um, and even says that you know like he only wears the mask uh, when he's with these people just to just to kind of keep them in line. It kind of sounds like he even calls them idiots at one point yeah. and. Um, he says to prevent that shit from happening. Again. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like he joined or took and it, over. And yeah, and explains that Judd was mm -hmm. in his role as chief of police to keep the police. Okay. Seemingly. Uh, the way he words it, I, I was, I, 
I agree yeah. that that's that's what do you mean? Like Judd Judd was the police side of things, and and Keen is the seven K side of things. But the way Keen worded it was, you know, I'm in charge of this group, and uh, Judd was in charge of his group, and I didn't know if he meant his group of police or his group of seven K. Um, but I do think he did mean, you know, his group of his team of cops. So, um, kind of these two guys are in charge of, you know, their own respective teams, but, um, yeah, all, all to maintain peace. Um, and yeah, he, Keen even at some point says, uh, talks about these, uh, these racists, you know, so he's kind of condemning them and and talking about them like, yeah, they're just, they're just tools sort of mm-hmm. sort of uh um they uh i forget if uh if wade asks about the teleportation device or if uh if keen brings yeah. it up but but wade indicates that he knows exactly right. what it is and then um even down to what it's called he calls it a, a cx924 teleportation window um and it and then says it's the same at the Institute for Transdimensional Studies, which goes back to the event at the end of Watchmen, you know that whole device that brought the squid here essentially is is what what Wade knows, um, and he he's afraid that the the seven K you know their ultimate plan here is to release uh, a new squid on Tulsa, and then Keen says they have a new plan like. You know, we're trying something original this time, or you know that one's been done, so we're going to do something different this time. Um, so I, I like that. Um, we, we, now I'm now I'm really quite starting to question this part. Okay. Because you know, yeah, drop another squid on us. Wade saying that, you know, that's that's getting to the point that he's going to find out in a couple minutes. Yeah. You know, that's not. It's. <laughs> I've always thought it was. The aliens trying to do something oh. that they wanted to do, yet it backfired on them, but it sure. also it still did damage to us. Yeah. Well, maybe Wade is afraid that they're going to turn on this device in Tulsa, yeah. and based on who knows what's happening out in another dimension, like other, yeah, right, it's it just playing with God, like yeah. playing God is yeah, going to result right. in in another event, just like what happened last time. It's, yeah. I think it's the same not, as like, not a literal drop another squid on us, but a more figurative. Mm. No, I think you know, do, I think do, he is do something afraid with that, with the window with the teleportation that is going to accidentally gonna bring another yeah. one yeah. through to their mm-hmm. dimension. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of the same as the people that are afraid that when the people at CERN turn on the the big yeah. hadron collider, right. like they were afraid like. If you turn that thing on, it's just gonna, you know, rip a black hole through, you know, through reality or whatever. So, yeah. um, well, I mean, the, I mean, the idea of the, a black hole yeah. being close enough, sure, you know, small enough but close enough to other material, yeah, <laughs> that will then just feed on itself and get bigger and <laughs> yeah. consume the whole Earth and the whole solar system. And, so. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but, but Keen says, "Where's the originality in that?" <laughs> yeah, and. They wanted they they're gonna do something new, right? So and we still don't know what so, that new thing's gonna yeah. be. I, I like your idea, you know. Take it from that Pedia mm. going to Mars. Yeah, yeah. And, just and I something could see about that, that playing into what 
then also happens with Dr. Manhattan being back on Earth, possibly, you know, mm. seemingly from the one of, the, one of those trailers. Yeah. Teasers. Yeah. Um, he, uh, so Keen talks about, you know, you could go to the police and tell them all about my plan or that I'm 7K or whatever, and they're not going to believe you because, you know, you do have a, a tendency to, to run around wearing these tinfoil hats and all that stuff. And just kind of pointing out that no one's going to believe him if he goes to the, to his bosses with the truth. Um, but he wants, he points out that, you know, uh, he points Wade to Angela for Judd's murder yeah, and wants him to kind of follow that path. Um, so basically denying that they didn't kill Judd and, um, you know, just, just planting that seed, I guess, of, of him thinking about Angela. And it's a smart play because he either, you know, does what Keen wants him to do and he'll learn, you know, if he starts to investigate Angela, he's going to find out more. He already knows that she has him looking at, uh, looking for answers on these pills that, that she's given him with no explanation as to what they are and why. Um, or, if if he just doesn't do anything, it's just going to start seeding those seeds of doubt. You know, he's just going to start to wonder and get paranoid, and it, it's going to rip him apart regardless. So, so it's kind of a win win for mm-hmm. for Keen here. Um, and then he uh, he does say, I, "I love that he uses the line, I leave it entirely in your hands,' which is." Um, might be one of the last lines that we get certainly in the in the movie when uh, Hector, the editor at uh, New Frontiersman, you know, tells Seymour just to to run whatever he likes in in the in print mm-hmm. and flipping in the book. Yeah, it's it's the last line of the book as well. It's I leave it entirely in your hands. And then that that even is a callback to kind of to Rorschach just leaving the book, you know, for these guys to to do with what the, what they can to, to help, you know, get the truth out there. So, mm-hmm. um, well, so I, I, I love the terminology that he uses squid pro quo, which <laughs> of is course. Rel- relevant to recent, uh, political events. Um, uh, but, um, uh, where I've actually truly heard that, that terminology, the word squid instead of quid, be used just you know within the past month just about maybe a month ago uh from another podcast uh it's it's a, it's actually two different podcasts one weekly one daily the uh Mueller she wrote and daily beans okay and and the uh the ladies that run that uh the, that podcast came up with instead of saying quid pro quo for some reason they added the s and said squid huh. i don't recall it relating to anything but <laughs> they came up with it recently so after leaving that in uh, wade's hands he goes on to talk about wanting to show him some information that he got when he was appointed to some office or some yeah well i i I definitely took note of that appropriations committee okay nothing is fancier or something or or as appealing as yeah he made it sound like it was just just real boring like he thought it was just going to be some lame job and then what they revealed to him upon starting was this uh this footage you know he says he wants to share with wade (laughs) um 
And then, yeah, he gives Wade the – he pops the disc in and gives Wade the uh, the remote. And then I guess – I think he just leaves, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. Yeah. because And, and because I think what ends up happening, the last thing we hear see of this footage is part of, part of what is apparently there is like – says – It'll be like another three or four hours worth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I I don't know why I didn't so take it that Wade watched four hours worth. No, I guess that that would make sense because yeah, okay. I think I just took it as this was the only video that he got. Just this mm-hmm. one like introduction video. Mm-hmm. Um, once we start seeing the video, it's you know, it's Adrian uh, recording his. You know, kind of a almost a, a pre-confession sort of thing, and he even mm-hmm. addresses it to to Robert. You know, and instantly I'm thinking Robert Redford. Um, he says that it's uh, you know congratulations on your recent uh, inauguration. I think he says the date is uh, January twenty first, nineteen ninety three, but then explains that for him, for Adrian, it is the date is. You know, November first, nineteen eighty-five, and mm-hmm. goes on to explain that that he's recording this from the past, but he's uh, this election has been all engineered by Adrian, and goes on to talk about how you know the, the conflict between the Soviets and United States was was you know he needed to do something to to stave off uh, nuclear holocaust. And talks about essentially saying that he's weaponized fear. Like that's the that's the greatest weapon that they have is fear. Um, and then just flat out, t- you know, in this recording, flat out says that he's created this uh, this um, entity that will, you know, show up and and create this psychic event and you know unite people into one. Uh, I guess fear of one thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we we see Wade like taking all of this in, and and he even Adrian even says that you know to to make sure that they people go along with it, he'll have to create you know secondary like I don't even I don't know if he uses the word attacks, but you know basically giving us the answer for the the squid falls, and it's um. It's just—it's kind of amazing that we get this much, I guess, uh, explanation. I mean, we kind of—I think know—that's the thing. We know so much of this yeah. because we know that Adrian is responsible for all of this. But it's always—it's mm-hmm. refreshing to to see, you know, Wade get to experience this information. You know, mm-hmm. it's sad for him, but it's—it's it's also nice to be able to see someone learning this information. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, and I think it's pretty important that we're seeing this. You know, this is all happening all in the same episode. We, we, we yeah. have the, you know, yeah. Yeah, the actual squid. We actually see the squid <laughs> in New York City at yeah. the beginning. I kept of this episode yeah, yeah, and, and get this this part here. I kept expecting like when he hit play, I thought it was going to cut away to you know the next segment of the episode, or I, oh. I yeah, I didn't think we were going to see what Wade gets to see. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. I think at a certain point, there's, yeah, there's something more there. Yeah. There's like three or four hours worth of video, yeah. but we just see the introduction kind of thing. 
Um, but even Adrian goes on to talk about how to make all this work, he would need someone um, sympathetic to the cause and someone with the right like political leanings and all that stuff. And now essentially he has chosen you know, Robert Redford as being like this uh, perfect candidate. And so we learned that Adrian has engineered him winning the election, you know, even going back this far, like he's been his his uh, chosen candidate, basically. And uh, if everything worked out right, he will have, have been elected. And um, but even like he's making this video and at a certain point, you know, at upon his inauguration, Redford will will see this video. And what it tells me is that. Sounds like Redford went along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I mean, that would be making the same decision that, uh, you know, Laurie and Dan, to a lesser extent, and Rorschach yeah. to a <laughs> yeah. non-extent. No, that's a good went good uh, comparison, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there's Definitely probably, man. not to this extreme, but I'm sure there's similar instances in our real world that, upon inauguration, you yeah. know, they're probably mm-hmm. handed a file of like, okay, here's the stuff that you get to know or here's, here's the UFOs. Yeah. Here's what you're now responsible for. And, you know, um, so this was, this was a big, just holy yeah. shit moment, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting to see all of this was, was really fun. I thought, and, um, again, not fun for, uh, for Wade. It felt really sad for Wade. Yeah. Right. You know, because he's he's built his entire, I mean, his entire adult life has been shaped by the decision that Adrian made, you know, back in 1985. You know, mm-hmm. he he was affected by this as a young man, and then that has, he's carried it with him, you know, seemingly every day. And so now he's finding out that all of the, you know extra dimension security stuff that he's bought and the drills and the, the, the mask, like it's all just pointless and it's all just, it's all just a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one last thing before, before, so sure. In getting the game, the, uh, video to start, it is, uh, uh, keen handing over this remote control. Yeah. So you, did did you? I mean, you think that's an odd to the to the movie? Oh, I, I mean, I don't think that was in the book, was it? No, yeah. I don't recall how the yeah. video started playing in the. Um, I don't know if that's a necessarily a callback. Maybe. I mean, I guess it's kind of otherwise. Like, Keen could just hit a hit play on yeah some device or. Well, and it's it goes back to that leaving it in your hands. Like it's it's up to you. Yeah. Do you want to know the truth? If so, hit play. You know, I, I leave it up to you, that sort yeah. of thing. Red pill, blue pill. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so at this point, and, and the the entire video that we see of, of Vite, it looks like I, I think he's standing in front of the squid's eye because it's like this weird abstract shape behind him that doesn't look at – it doesn't look uh, – familiar at all it kind of looks organic to me i kept waiting for it to blink you know to just be that like definite indicator that he's standing in front of this big eye but um that's that's just my assumption um because it just looked like a weird eyeball type shape um 
and then uh, it the transition from this scene to the next is it zooms yeah. into that you know what i'm thinking is an eye just kind of this big black oozy looking surface and then um transitions to adrian of the i guess present day <laughs> and it's uh it's this uh black goo inside this uh cauldron that's been being stirred around i think it's like liquid uh, rubber mm-hmm. that they're like they've melted down cuz they end up um we see adrian and they're you know they're all suiting up adrian and putting him in this uh his new newly constructed you know kind of space suit tougher hide yeah yeah um but they end up putting this liquid you know melted down rubber like around the seal of the the actual helmet just to just to seal in the uh make it airtight so um he's got a big eye of raw like kind of on his uh forget if it's on his chest or on his belt or somewhere on his um torso i got a alexander the great kind of vibe from the helmet just because it looks like it's you know, sculpted hair, kind of like this golden blonde hair, maybe. Um, so I just kind of assume that might be a nod to Alexander the Great. Not sure, but um, but Lon- he he puts himself in the uh, in this catapult that we saw him testing out uh, last episode, and and they just launch his ass into space. <laughs> yeah. And 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 we'll find out momentarily. But testing. Was was it really testing? Oh well, yeah, <laughs> just, good point. Just yeah. a little bit. Could have been testing, it was a but... little testing, a little uh, um, prepared. There was a purpose. Yeah, yeah. We find out, and he breathed like he. Uh, what do you say? He yeah. crosses over from, I guess, one plane of existence into suddenly he's, you know, floating in space, and he lands on what appears to be a moon. Um, there's a planet in the, in the background that definitely looks like Jupiter. Yeah. Right. Um, and I was thinking it could be IO. Okay. I wasn't um, sure. I, I can't remember another one that could, could work. There's, um, Europa, yeah, um, not Europa. uh, Callisto. And then oh, one that I saw, uh, Ganymede. 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 Okay. That's a possibility, maybe too. I forget, I forget what's between those other three. Or yeah, they're supposed to be like so. And those are, I think, are the four that are called the Galileo moons of Jupiter, like because there are like seventy nine moons of Jupiter. It's it's lousy with moons, yeah. um, but these might be like the four of the of the main moons. I guess I don't know, mm-hmm. but there, there are four that are considered are called uh, the Galileo moons. Um, um, do we think Jupiter just because of the connection to Silk Spectre? I, I did certainly think about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but it appears to be that he's on a moon of of Jupiter's. So mm-hmm. he uh, starts working on moving the bodies around of, of the various uh, Crookshanks and... Mr. Phillips, you know, starts, uh, I thought initially, I thought, you know, it's just like the black freighter and he's using dead bodies to build a raft or build something of some kind. So I think that I think is, is a intentional, uh, callback slightly of, of, you know, him using the dead bodies to do something. I didn't initially think he was spelling out letters until, 
you know, a little while later, you can definitely tell he's like um, putting him into specific shapes and that sort of thing. So, um, but I like it. I like uh, this uh, big SOS that he makes. And then it pulls back and you see um, he's doing this so that a satellite is going to see him. Um, and we see in the reflection of the satellite lens, we kind of get the overview of he spelled out save me. And there's a letter D right? that's at the end of that, that save yeah. me. So I just realized what that could be. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. Okay. I've seen that uh, <laughs> online. I've, I've seen, you know, D could be Dan Dryberg. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why it would be Dan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just everyone. Someone was just like going through any possible D connection in, uh, in Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess it, I think most likely would be Manhattan. Um, for, yeah, maybe he spells out doc, you know, just DOC, yeah. who knows? Or DR. Yeah, DR, yeah. Um so I guess we'll we'll see on that. Um but as he's uh, kind of gloating, kind of smiling and proud of himself, yeah. um he gets pulled back and uh gets sucked out of the Martian or not Martian, but uh this uh moon landscape and and just pulled back into the woods. Um and we see here the uh the game warden. Yeah. And he pulls him in and uh Basically tells him, you know, I, I told you not to test your boundaries, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure that it's the game warden is is a Mr. Phillips with a yeah, mustache. And I think it's been confirmed. Okay. It's, it's, he's played by okay. the same actor, Tom Meisen. Cool. And, um, and he even says Master Adrian Veidt. Yeah. You know, even that could be kind this, of a sign of respect, you know, not necessarily yeah. a, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they, uh, Adrian basically shouts at him that, uh, your God has abandoned you. Um, and I think he means that this, I think that Phillips and Crookshanks and, and this planet where these babies are in the, in the water, you know, I think this is a, a world created by Manhattan. And I think he specifically means that your God has abandoned you and that that means Manhattan is he created life here and then left and just kind of maybe got bored of it. And even the the warden even says, you know, it's true. God has abandoned us. And um, but that's I don't think that's a I would I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if, if Manhattan ends up being their God and their creator. So, yeah. That seems pretty obvious, I guess. Um, but, you know, it might not be the case, but hopefully we'll see. Um, the the warden says something about uh, no mercy mm-hmm. for uh, for Adrian. Um, and then we transition back over to um, another uh, uh, focus group. And they're testing this uh, perfume called Mercy. So right as... Right as they say, mercy in the in Adrian's prison. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just again, we see kind of the effects that this has on Looking Glass or on, on Wade, and you know, again, like his entire life being influenced by this uh, this hoax that Vite created. I was I was really thinking about here. So um, let's see. Um, we get another version of Careless Whisper. 
That's called okay. uh, Natalie Dawn. Okay. Hmm. And, and and this one with lyrics, whereas sure. there was one previous, and I don't think I had it noted right or, or something. But uh, Yeah, it pops up like three times. Only. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's used like three times in this episode. Um, and as they're, are they in the, yeah, they're in the police station. And we see Red Scare and Panda again. And they're kind of going back and forth about mm-hmm. um, Hooded Justice in 1940. Uh, Panda claims that uh, Hooded Justice was Manhattan. But, you know, I think Red Scare points out like, oh, Manhattan was from the 60s. And Panda says, oh, he can time travel. So that's who knows where that <laughs> if that's leading to anything, you know. Well, but I mean, it's also it's it's I, I think it's real purpose. There is just a meta commentary, you know, mm-hmm. about us. <laughs> sure. In our sure. discussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, uh, either Angela calls uh, Wade from like from one desk to the other. They're in the same room mm-hmm. um, asking about the pills again. And um, Wade just says, you know, is anything true? And so she comes over to his desk and he gives her the pills and tells her that it's nostalgia. So she knows what that means and that, that this pill contains um, his memories. And she she levels with him. You know, she tells him that the pills are her grandfather's and kind of have uh, uh, Looking Glass kind of is leading her a little bit and definitely yeah. – playing along a little bit he he actually reveals you know he, he lifts up his mask and tells him tells her that he wants to help and that i think this is really important because it tells us that you know prior to this he was so secretive about you know wanting to sh- not wanting to show his face and you can tell like what he has learned has definitely affected him and maybe he's not as concerned with he doesn't have to keep his face hidden or doesn't have to keep this material covering his, you know, at least part of his head. And, um, and it also just shows like, you know, going back to the, the video that he watched of, or I guess the, the TV show of, you know, seeing hooded justice and Metropolis, like talking about, you know, you'll never get to see my face and that sort of thing. And I think it's definitely come full circle where he's now, willing to to kind of expose his face because it's not, maybe nothing matters anymore that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, but uh you know, she continues to uh come clean about about all this stuff and says that you know that this will reeves is her grandfather and he claims that that he killed judd and strung him up in the tree and angela covered it up and you know he she points out that he was a hundred years old and, you know, kind of indicating like, how could, how could he have killed Judd and all that? Um, but yeah, the, the important part there being that she covered it up and, um, uh, looking glass apologizes. And that's when Lori kind of comes out of her office, gun drawn and, and tells Angela to, to put her hands up. And so Angela figures out like kind of what's going on here. Um, that, you know, in a way looking glass kind of sold her out, but you know, she, she was going, you know, she was breaking the rules and all that stuff. And, and, and honestly, she was being a real bitch this episode to him. Like, you know, the few times we see her, she's just giving him shit about, 
you know, have you have you have you gotten my information yet? And and just you know, we can see that it's not easy for him to interact with his ex, and so you know, Angela doesn't care. It's 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 what she needs right now. You know, so it, it's interesting watching this episode from someone else's perspective. You know, for mm-hmm. for the most part, we've been with Angela. Um, and we, so we know how vital this, this kind of what she's doing is, but here we have, you know, we have looking glasses side of things kind of, and it's, uh, yeah, she's just being a jerk, (laughs) but so, so she takes the pills. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Seemingly. (laughs) Which was a surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, the whole way this is, this playing out was, was really a, a surprise for me. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, all of it's a surprise because we don't know what to expect. But uh, yeah, this this the way it, it coming down to kind of Angela being exposed. Um, I wasn't really expecting that right away because I I did think that with with what Keen told uh, Wade about Angela, I thought that was going to be like more of a slow burn mm-hmm. for a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. Um, what else? Well, well, and and you know, so here's something: Keen exposing himself to Wade as being, you know, leadership of the Seven K, yet saying he's not, you know, a he's racist not like with the them. Yeah, doesn't share their ideals. Yeah, D- does that change what how you think about uh, uh, Blake and her uh, interrogating kind of um, Wade? earlier you know when she says you know you can show me your face i'm not 7k you don't think i'm 7k do you oh hmm. you know now now she may really not be 7k that may yeah. have no validity at all but mm-hmm. it just makes me more suspect hmm. yeah um yeah i mean i i'm still more mm-hmm. i i side i think more with Lori. um but it's it's one of those that i i hate to see Lori and angela on different sides, you know, I, yeah, I, right. I'd much, I'd yeah. be happy if they were like teamed up and, you know, it, it seems like that's how it probably should end. Yeah. But yeah. They have to be on different sides. Right. For so long to right. make that payoff when they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so the last thing we kind of get is Wade returning home after this, you know, really, I'm sure awful day, awful couple days. It seems like, um, he gets home, pulls into his little garage, and there's a package waiting for him on his door. It's his new uh, alarm that he had overnighted. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just throws it in the trash. Um, and I did think it was important to notice that when he was driving into his his house here, his hat was sitting next to him on the seat. Mm-hmm. So he's not wearing his hat. He's not wearing his mask. He gets out, can, and, and at no point is he wearing the hat. Um, throws away the uh, the alarm, and then it just hangs on on the alarm in the trash can for a few seconds. And I just kept waiting for it to fade to black and start playing a song, and then Wade pops back up and and takes it back out of the trash. So I again, that was interesting. I, I don't know what that means. Does that mean he's he's not? You know, is it just just familiar to to keep going with this this whole ruse of of the alarm maybe he doesn't fully believe what he's seen in the video you know um not not quite sure yeah 
yeah, it's 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 very baffling to me that yeah. that, that part, yeah. And again, thinking, okay, now fade to black, end the episode. <laughs> there's there's plenty and, and here. And there is music playing. It's it's some there, enchan- okay. enchanted evening, oh, that's evening right. again, but it's by a different uh, that's artist right. uh, this time, the Castells. Okay. Not Sinatra. Um, yeah, so again, it's like, okay, here's a good place to end the episode. <laughs> um, but not quite. So we see the a van drive up and, you know, hit the trash can that Wade was just dealing with and a bunch of 7K guys pour out of the van and the last thing we see is them approaching uh, the house where where we know Wade just entered. So so that's where this one ends. Yeah. So so who knows? I mean, things things yeah, that certainly don't look good. Um, I think one of the questions brought up in our Facebook group was, you know, why send them? Are they the same group of seven K he was just kind of yeah. with in, in um, at this uh, department store? Is it a different group? You know, why come after him now? Um, I guess it could be that if if word got back to Keen that that Wade came back to the police station and he did what he asked and and kind of got. Uh, Angela, you know, exposed, like so has has Wade outlived his usefulness. He's done what Keen wanted, so now is it just uh, we we just need to remove him from the uh, from the equation. You know? mm-hmm. So that's that could certainly be it. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was you know being a, a primarily looking glass centric episode, and and a little bit of uh, Adrian. It's pretty much our two main characters in this episode. I mean, we mm-hmm. got a little bit of Angela, but she was just just there to be a kind of a pain in Looking Glass's ass this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's certainly been one of the um, one of the best episodes in as in terms of you know the, these moments of of just being shocked. I think um, I I still struggle to decide if I liked. Episode three better or, or this one, but this one was up there for sure. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts or notes on on the episode as a whole? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's transition to talking about the PDPedia files for this week. Do you have a chance to look through these? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is another of the. Uh, Dale PD uh, kind of reports on the ongoing uh, American Hero Story and it says American Hero Story, more infernal affairs. Um, this one's just kind of starts out <coughs> um, as being like a sensitivity training kind of thing. Mm. He's uh, he's pointing out that this episode is, is either about to be aired and it's going to feature a... Uh, um, a segment of like a, a dramatized sexual assault from comedian to uh, to Sally, and he's pointing out that you know this is you know in in direct you know it, it basically this is about one of our coworkers' mother, you know, so yeah. it, it's kind of him asking for uh, discretion and making sure like people are aware that how this might affect uh, Agent Blake and all that, so. Kind of starts out like he's making sure to to 
um, point out that you know, the the real event was not like you know, it shouldn't be fetishized and and visualized the way that that he's he's aware that it's going to be in the uh, show. So he's kind of condemning the the show's the showrunner basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought it was interesting because the exact phrases that that PD here uh, uses to talk about the way that they're showing the assault. He mentions the Moloch's uh, solar weapon and how there's there's you know footage of them being reflected in that panel, um, and then there's some a lot of blood and this this and that, and it's kind of like he's just literally talking about the panel panels from the book, and so it's kind of making fun of the the you know Dave Gibbons artwork of you know, him and, and Alan Moore describing the, the event of, of this rape or not rape, but the, the assault. The Well, and he also points out, you know, some might call it attempted rape. This might, yeah. been, might, this might be called attempted rape, but it, it truly it, this needs to be referred to as a sexual assault. Right. Instead. So, yeah, just kind of interesting that, that, uh, they're kind of, pointing at the the way it's shown in the book as being not how it should be done you know just it's being almost turned into art essentially yeah so mm-hmm. just kind of interesting yeah. um uh, did you did you take note of what he says their ages are uh yeah and that yeah. that's that's from what i remember of the book it, it definitely yeah. lines up that he's 16 and she's tw- uh, 20 um, I, yeah, I remember, I didn't remember her being 20. I remembered him being 16 for sure, because I remember like reading that he was the youngest member of the team and it always being odd that he was that young yeah. and even funnier when you think about it as like the flashback stuff in the film Watchmen, like, you know, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is essentially supposed to be a 16 year old <laughs> in those flashbacks. So, um, but. I would have to guess that he's the actor was at that point, like say in his thirties. I mean, if not forties, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, and same with Carla Gugino. You know, they're all all way outside their their characters' ages. But, but. he's also made to look. I mean, say he was in his forties, even he's made to you know appear in the eighties oh, yeah, yeah. to be in his sixties or maybe yeah. even more than that. But very fit. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else they do talk about. Um, then after the the rape and all that stuff, they uh, you know that that Eddie and Sally did eventually get together, um, and there was some consensual sex, and that that led to uh, Lori, Lori Blake, Lori Jupiter, um, and that she then would become uh, comedian, kind of in her a uh, second career as a, as a crime fighter. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how, um, that, that Sally died one year before, um, the events or when, uh, comedian, I guess was apprehended in and around that Oklahoma city bombing kind of event that we talked about in last week's PDPedia stuff. Um, so she was attempting to, you know, either catch Timothy McVeigh or stop him or something, but then was apprehended by, I guess FBI, and then it talks about how she was um, kind of in, ex- in exchange 
for for not going to prison. You know, she would end up working for this anti-vigilante task force as Agent Blake. So kind of go, just just gives you that little bit of information of, of how she ended up being an FBI agent. Yeah, I definitely took note that, yeah, that required her <laughs> yeah. to become a special agent. Um, so that's that's all I had for, for that document. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is the is a nostalgia. Um, it's really just like a pharmaceutical brochure um, and just shows like this, you know, older couple looked like they're in their, you know, late 60s, maybe 70s. And the information is just like you would read at a like in a pamphlet at a doctor's office about some sort of drug and it you know ask your doctors if it's right for you and that sort of thing and gives all the gives the rundown of what the pill does um side effects the you know you should not take it if this you should take it if if this that sort of thing mm-hmm. um it talks about how nostalgia is made by true the company that we was heavily focused last episode um Apparently there are red, blue, and white pills. Um, the red, or I guess each pill contains uh, one to five memories, hmm. and the red pills are the most intense. So it could be more, um, I guess, just more intense memories. I don't know. I don't know how those would be classified, but somehow they map your brain and your hippocampus, and they can create these, you know, synthetic memories, and or they're using pieces synthetic pieces of your brain to to individually make these pills so that it's it can only be you know really effectively be used by you know the person who it's like they're genetically matched to these pills um and it even talks about how the pills can have a a phantasmagorical uh, experience so and that they should use the pills um typically like with uh supervision like you should have someone there um to make kind of make sure that they're okay so it kind of sounds like from what i've always heard of like uh, doing uh, mushrooms that you're supposed mm-hmm. to have someone there that's not doing mushrooms to kind of be your uh your guide almost to just make sure you don't do anything stupid or you know yeah. just to kind of keep you safe that sort of thing mm-hmm. um yeah there, there there is the warning about um uh being uh you know near open windows and yeah yeah don't don't be on rooftops don't be driving vehicles don't be engaging in you know sexual intercourse um it's a big list of like you know what the side effects could be um it said you know it even in in bold letters you know says do not take someone else's nostalgia um, so we, I expect Angela to be completely fucked next up ep- next episode. Um, just, and that's what this whole document is really for. Just kind of to a little precursor to what Angela is going to be experiencing next episode. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting document because of, w- because we know, you know, that Angela is now taking all these pills, but it reads like a pharmaceutical brochure that's yeah. not, you know, exciting reading really. And the next one's kind of the same. Um, did you have anything else on nostalgia? No. Nope. Okay. Nope. So the last one is the, is another brochure for the extra dimensional anxiety and you, which is the brochure that we saw 
at the uh, support group that uh, that Wade was passing out and has a picture of a cat on the front staring at its reflection. Um, um, I did notice that this one was copyright 2008 by Vite, and it was specifically like Vite um, and the studies for uh, transdimensional. Like it's like Vite publicly took over that, you know, I guess uh, office or whatever that the initial squid event happened at. So I thought it was surprising. Um, this one um, talks about, you know, w what this kind of trauma can, can be like for some people. It does point out that some, some people experiencing this EDA um, are, can be prone to overspending on um, what it calls ECE protection technology. And we so certainly see... Wade has, has spent a lot of money on um, this ECE stands for exotic cephalopodi cephalopodian um, entities. So just the language that it uses to talk about squids. Um, but a lot of just information that's just kind of pointing out why Wade is paranoid. And um, so I didn't get too much from that document, but, but uh, yeah. Um, it's about all I have. Um, yeah. But, uh, good episode. Um, definitely was a fun one to talk about. Um, I, I, the, based on the previews of next episode, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to like that episode just cause yeah. I, it seems very stylized and a lot of like, we're, I think in, in on one hand, I love the idea that she's going to get firsthand information. It seems like from will, you know, it's a good way to tell a story of without having to like. It's not just him telling her information right. and us maybe seeing a flashback, but her only getting the words. You know, if I you you're you're not a uh, Harry Potter guy, right? No. Okay. So they use this uh, device in the Harry Potter universe. It's called a pensive. And it's a way for wizards to like extract memories and they can put them in a little glass jar and it's like this silvery liquid. And so if someone else wanted to see that memory, they would just pour the silvery memory liquid into this uh, bowl called a pensive. And then they could see the memories and then even go into the memories and kind of be invisible. And, you know, no one can see you, no one can hear you, but you can be a part of the, the memory. <clears throat> so I kind of think that's a little bit maybe what this is going to be like, but just just based on the uh, the preview for next episode. But it also seems like she has no control of what memories she's going to get, and it it made me think a little bit of uh, Star Trek's <laughs> holodeck. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and one of those episodes. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm holodeck episode. Yeah, so I'm kind of looking forward to it just as a. Yeah. I'm interested how they're going to use these this these memory pills as a way to tell the story, but I'm a little worried that the stylized aspect of it might might not do it for me. But that's just my guess leading, you know, at this point, but maybe I'll be completely wrong. But uh, I guess we should say <clears throat> next episode's title is This Extraordinary Being. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Um, we always want to encourage people to join us over on the 
the Facebook group, the Crime Busters Listeners Society. I've been really pleased with like how many people are, you know, <clears throat> uh, commenting and, and weighing in with their thoughts and theories and and everything after the uh, the episodes have aired. So um, it's a lot of fun getting to to read all that stuff and have fun conversations. So and some new people coming in. Yeah, just, yeah, they're they're catching up on episodes. Sure. Of the of the show itself and hopefully yeah. listening to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's all I have for to for this one. So sounds like we're both on the same page there. Yep. I'm never gonna dance again. <laughs> yeah. That that song just makes me think of Deadpool. Yeah, it was yeah. using that. You know, Every time that at least when it sounded more like the original version. But uh but yeah, I think that's gonna do it. So until next time, who watches the watchman? We, we do. do. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Is there life on?